Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. And we're back with another episode of the Pilot Boys podcast, episode 70, Partha. For some reason, that feels like a big number. I asked you this before we got on. Episode number 70. So it seems like you guys enjoyed our episode last week. Got some good commentary on it. Um, We're going to go into it again with some news and notes topics and then also tackle kind of a larger issue more in depth. Uh, Partha, are you ready to go? Bro, I'm so ready, and I just want to say we were we were talking about you last night, V. We were all hanging out, uh, me, Rob, one of my colleagues, and Nafis, my roommate, who you know. Yeah, and uh, we were we. I just wanted to like pass the compliment. Um, there was a lot of discussion about how good of a job you do asking the right questions, and I think I think it's exciting when we get to delve into these deep topics, bro. So just wanted to show some love. Appreciate that, man. Well. I think we have a good, uh, you know, Jordan and Pippen. We're, I mean, that's that's high praise, but maybe that's that's where we're headed down well, this. Who's, who's Pippen? Because that might that might start to rub some uh, one of us. Hey, the I, right. Sometimes, some sometimes one of us has to get Jordan gave Pippen an assist. Sometimes, and Pippen gave Jordan. Maybe we can an go with a little Jordan Lebron action. Okay, let's do it. That that that's that's then who's Jordan and who's LeBron? We could go You're there. Clearly too. Jordan. I'm clearly LeBron. All right, let's we can go with that. We can go with that. <laughs> let's get into it, man. I'm excited about today's topics. Man, me too. This first thing is just you know it's boss news, bro. Jay Z selling half of Ace of Spades to Moet. Um, what a baller! What a baller! Yeah, man. Uh, you um again. I always have to ask whether you know the history behind um, how Ace of Spades got started. Um, but it's interesting enough. I, I'm, I'm sure you yeah, tell the story. story. Tell the story. It's All a good right. story. So uh, Cristal, which is a popular, which was a popular champagne and comes in gold bottle, looks really ostentatious, became really popular in the hip hop and rap community um, around the time that Jay-Z was the biggest, the biggest rapper in the game and he was rapping about it quite a bit and the idiots over at uh at uh at crystal that said that he did not want um rappers and and athletes and black people drinking his champagne that that wasn't really the the market for it and jay-z basically canceled them which we talked about last week using his power to cancel them but he basically what he did was instead of just canceling them he decided to create his own champagne high level champagne in the same nice packaging all champagne tastes the same to me i don't know about you partha but it all tastes the same to me but yeah more or less but i will say i've had a spades one time in a nightclub and uh you know, I'm not going to say I loved it, but I'm going to say it was it's a fun experience that they've put together. Oh, it's it's all about the the experience itself, yeah. right? Um, yeah. and so he saw a market opportunity and capitalized and created a market for himself, which for you and me, we are huge fans of people who do this, who recognize yeah. opportunities and figure out a way to capitalize instead of just complain um about 
about the issue itself, right? Um, Straight came, up. Came up with a solution to the problem. But like with most things Jay-Z related, his, his uh, I guess, goal was both both a, a social cause as well as a capitalist cause, which kind of makes him very brilliant, right? He solved the problem for his community, but he also saw the financial opportunity for himself um, to both do good and reap a reward, built Ace of Spades into the premier kind of celebration champagne in that world, nightclubs um, specifically, um, and special occasions in America. So now Moe, which is the another French company, interestingly enough, like a full circle moment, has recognized what he has built and said, hey, we want a piece of that bought a 50% stake in it. We don't know how much the amount is, but we know that these liquor deals are very massive typically. Um, So I would say it's north of in the hundreds of millions of dollars likely. Yeah. Uh, It's, I'm so curious, honestly, because I want to know what Ace Spades is valued at um, as a brand. Cause I can't imagine, I can't imagine their sales numbers are really crazy. But the brand equity is quite strong. So it's an interesting play that he made. And uh, I think what what stands out to me about it is just at at an early age, Jay-Z recognized the power of his own brand, which a lot of athletes, artists, anyone really in the cultural landscape wasn't thinking that way at that point. And I think in today's era, you see so many people thinking that way. It always prompts the question, you know, what's next? How do you get ahead of the curve now? Like, what can you be thinking about as an entertainer, as an influencer, as an athlete, as a rapper, whatever, as a person with cultural influence to position yourself the way Jay-Z did? Yes, that is the importance of understanding where you're at and where you're headed, right? Like when you get a platform as in any form, we understand the value of having a platform where people listen to you, um, and you have the opportunity now to move culture. And some people to choose to do so in a meaningful way, and some people too often choose to do so in harmful ways. Um, Jay-Z is an example of someone who, if you look at his business empire, the reason that it works is he sticks almost always to what he knows. He understands culture and he understands music. If you look at his business and his primary business interests, title, his sports agency, the champagne brand, it all goes back to the represent what he represents through his music, which is being a businessman, being a hustler, and creating opportunities for yourself, um, even at the start as a drug dealer, when people weren't giving you opportunities. And I think there's something to that psychology um, that has birthed so much success after him. If you look at LeBron James, for example, he credits Jay-Z for creating the blueprint um, by which he followed, which was Jay-Z recognized that he couldn't necessarily change the entire world, but he could change the lives of the, the people that are, were around him and if you look at the number of millionaires that he's birthed um, outside of himself and the number of successful both in music and in business that he's created, um, you have to add a level of credit 
to everything he's done because of that element, right? It's not just about how much success you've created for yourself, but how many successful people have you helped create along the way? Yeah. And you know, I think it it goes both ways, right? It's it's not only him opening up that door for others who were in his circle or who he felt he could help, but uh, those people learning from him and picking up the mentality along the way too. And it's interesting to see these ecosystems. Like when I think in the tech world, it's like that, uh, what they call the PayPal mafia, Peter Thiel, Elon yeah. Musk, like that whole crew, um, very, very similar vibe. If you look at uh, the action sports era that, you know, you and I grew up with, with like yep. brands like Hurley, Billabong, like the whole nineties era of like rock and roll X games. That's all like, you know, a group of 50 dudes that went to San Diego state together. Yeah. So it's like interesting to see these like groups of people that uh, achieve a level of cultural impact that affects people on an international scale. And it really just comes from a bunch of people collaborating without getting in the way of themselves or each other. Yes, it is. It is. And and, and you hit the, the nail on the head is, collaborating collaborating and understanding how to work together um for the cause and yeah. not letting egos which happens way too often not letting individual egos um get in the way i think when the jay-z example and lebron james example which are two that we can speak to you can look at everybody kind of knew that lebron and jay-z were kind of the chosen ones right but that didn't mean that within that you couldn't create the opportunity for yourself that could make you maybe not LeBron, but a chosen one in your field. Um, and I think it's just it's just really powerful uh, to see that specifically as when we we have these discussions um, about how to empower minorities. And this isn't just by race, but in this country, this is how you do it, right? You create. Yeah economic viability and then once you have economic viability then you can impact and influence change through the vehicles and power that you've created for yourself that's just how capitalism works 100 percent, man now you know i don't have much to add to that but from a topic we know to maybe a topic we're new to i think uh, i'm gonna make this shift um we have heard about nba top shot recently which is essentially they take a highlight of an NBA player, like, for example, somebody um, doing a dunk, and they turn it into a small clip that is essentially a virtual sports card. But it's a card representing a particular moment as opposed to um, you know, a, a player in any given year. So it's taking that concept of like the rookie card or the second-year card or like a special edition one step further to the actual plays. Um, this marketplace has facilitated a pretty ridiculous amount, millions of dollars of transactions in the first few weeks it's been up. And it's a very nascent platform. It's it's you know not super well built yet because it's super early and people are still figuring out how to use it. Um, but it speaks to this kind of wave of collector culture that is... Yeah coming back up to the forefront and it's i think in my eyes tied to this kind of resurgence of things like anime like the anime t-shirts naruto is getting yeah. big in culture again 
And at the same time, you know, Dragon Ball Z has its had its like kind of light resurgence last yeah. year. Uh, you know, with the cards and everything, I, I honestly attribute a lot of it to Gary V because of yeah. his platform and how much he talks about it. But you know, when you when it goes from a player's card to a moment, I guess V, when you look at that, do you see a difference between the two? And you know, because these moments are built. Um, uh, essentially on the blockchain it's not like you can have duplicates of these so you you really do own a particular moment in time that that was a highlight so a couple questions are one you know should the players be involved in this should be should they be getting compensated if they made the play and then two you know how does the moment to you compare to the previous traditions of owning a card itself and did you get into that stuff yeah, to answer the f- the first question, I do believe that the NBA collects a licensing fee um, from that. I don't know how exactly that fee is then distributed to the individual players. Um, I would have to look more into that. So potentially they are getting compensated something for it. I know there was an interesting story about um, how Bogdan Bogdanovich actually bought one of his uh, – his uh his highlights for 2500 bucks uh cuz he was a believe he's a believer in this concept but if you look at this thing and it being built on the the blockchain itself right it is the kind of the same concept as the bitcoin right it's you create something that has a scarcity through this technology where that whatever that value can be protected and safeguarded and secured in in a real way. And then this next step is you create the market, right? That that's kind of how I see it. Um, so it's it's fascinating to see. Again, I think with most new things, because there's so much hype around this stuff, it's the same thing you see with the cryptocurrency, where I don't know how to value this stuff. And clearly it's hard to know what the how the market values it, but clearly the value is very high to the people who are involved and who are advocates of it, right? We'll start there with the first question. As far as the second question, this is nothing new in terms of what makes the culture around sports so profitable. You know, people buy jerseys of players. People buy video games with players in it. They bought trading cards. You know, I was never a big trading card person. Simply, it's not because I didn't want to be. My mom and my parents just never would never really thought that that was something that we should waste money on. They didn't get it. So therefore they were giving me the money <laughs> at that time to buy stuff. So I couldn't buy it, but I understood it. I have some collection of cards from back in the day when, you know, I was a real super fan of players. So I get the hype. It's a childhood thing, right? Like being a fan of a player that you watch. And also the the other thing that's unique, I think about this is We've seen how the NBA has kind of been at the forefront of highlight culture. We saw with House of Highlights and other things how the highlights have become such an important part of the fan ecosystem for younger NBA fans, right? Just seeing the highlights versus watching the entire game. So this might be an extension of that as well. But when I see these numbers like, Kevin Durant highlight selling for $200,000, the 
the difference between that and say like a rare card where there's only four of them made is I can go on YouTube and I can search for that highlight and watch it. That's kind of what the other thing that I don't like. It would be one thing if you purchase this highlight and then you own the, the IP and then you can sell license it to all the networks and anyone that wants to use it. But if you can go Google it or YouTube it, <laughs> what's that's the disconnect for me there. You know what yeah. I mean? But it goes back to like what you and I were talking off air. What has value is what people say has value. And if there's a market of people who are willing to pay this and believe in this, then I guess it's not for me and you to understand. I think the overall principle to that point is that anytime you have a, a thing that you convince people is in limited quantity, it becomes high status to own it. Yes. And a majority of our country, a majority of the world cares more about social status than they do about wealth. Yes. And I think that's just what we're seeing here. You know, I think yep. people confuse the fact that a market is hot with the narrative that's an investment, that yeah. it's a smart way to use money. And you see that a lot with journalists. You see that a lot with um, any sort of media or blog posting around mm -hmm. a kind of limited quantity asset. But ultimately, it's cool till it's not cool. And everything that's cool is eventually not cool. And then it's cool again after some period of time. Then it's not cool again and so on and so forth. And, you know, I think when the fact that it's digital does change things because you can't lose it. Yeah. And I think that adds a little bit of, you know, security. I guess you could lose it technically if you lose a hard drive or something, but it's harder to lose it than it is a playing card. But man, I don't know. It just like it to me just speaks on all the fucked up priorities that we have. You know what I mean? Like I agree, man. Like, and that's that's the thing for me. I understand the fun element of it. If I could go get, you know, Michael Jordan's last last shot over byron russell and i could own that highlight i might pay 50 bucks for it you know what yeah. i mean like <laughs> but that highlight would probably go for three hundred thousand dollars and it's like when you look and you see these type of numbers you're like that's when you know that this is just the power of hype and we've talked yeah. about it quite a bit on our show we start with the supreme segment on how you can create and generate hype around things that have no real don't have much intrinsic value but they have social value and if they have social value as you said they end up having monetary value and it's 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 fascinating yeah. it's one of the troubling things about i think our culture and, and human psychology in general but you know someone created a market and someone's making money they said they made 60 million sheesh. off of it so far sheesh insane crazy so moving on, um, unfortunately, Tiger Woods was in a car accident recently. Yeah. Uh, poor it's... guy, man. Yeah, man. I think I think at this point we got to start talking about legacy, right? You know, they said that he's got two, two broken legs, a fractured ankle, um, lucky to survive. They had to use the jaws of life to, to pull him out of the car. I'm hoping and praying he recently had a back surgery. I'm hoping and praying that this is not related to prescription pills or any of that again. But, you know, overall, 
I think you take away some of these kind of personal issues that he's had, right? They're personal issues that have been magnified by the fact that he is a public figure. But when you evaluate him compared to most child stars and many of the child stars, specifically with someone who had the type of pressure in an individual sport that he had to kind of be the savior of a sport, to also carry the the burden of being the complexion that he was. Yeah. In addition to that, then also the family, the clear family kind of issues that he had. Yeah. All things considered, I think we have to look at Tyre Woods and evaluate him both as a player and as a citizen as one of the greatest we've ever seen. Like that run when he first came onto the scene, we've never seen. Even Jack Jack Nicholson didn't dominate. Um, I said Jack Nicholson, didn't I? Um, yeah. Jack yeah. Nicholas, I always do that. Jack Nicholson did dominate in those yeah. Batman movies. Yes, but Jack Nicholas, <laughs> the pride of Columbus, Ohio. I'm not supposed to make that 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 mistake. When you look at how Tiger dominated the sport, and then also him as a cultural icon and making golf like cool, yeah, um, is needs to be measured and understood in his accomplishments should not be tainted by you know the last 10 years and he just won a masters despite all these injuries and things like that we still need to evaluate him hopefully he can go on and move on from golf and have a happy life with his kids and find out whatever the next phase is because i think he is a lot like a lot of these other greats that anything he applies his mind to and his time to he'll be successful at yeah yeah i, I totally agree I mean, I think I think he's definitely got the mind for success in any field and, you know, wish him a, a healthy and a speedy recovery. And hopefully we'll see him play golf again. Yeah, if he plays again, great. Uh, I was saying legacy simply because if if he is not able to recover from this, I do not want people to taint his actual legacy as a great athlete. You know, we've had he's had some troubles over the last decade with injuries and personal problems and stuff like that. But, you know. Yeah. We all live in glass houses. Yeah. That's how it goes. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of on a different note, there has been this surge, uh, this article that, um, that we had found about fake commutes, um, essentially people taking bike rides or walks or drives in the morning before work because people are working too much during work from home. Um, please take care of your health for those of you who are working from home. Please get some exercise every day. Do something. You know, my my brand and motto, all we talk about is stay moving. Do some movement every day. You know, take a walk, go on a run, go on a bike ride. Do something that gets your blood flowing and gets you thinking. And at the start of the day, just like getting outside and observing nature, no headphones, no nothing. Just be by yourself a little bit. It'll it'll get you in a better place than anything else can. Yeah, that that is the truth. And you have to change your environment from time to time. Doesn't matter how big of a house you live in. Um, just just get outside, like you said, experience nature. I think it's a pretty cool thing. The fake commute thing is a cool, cool thing. If that works for people and you need to have like a, a 30, 40 minutes to yourself driving, then that let that be it. But as you said, take care of yourselves. It it, it does wear on you if you're waking up and working from the same place that you're sleeping at, right? Oh, yeah. It does have 
have um, issues. I know it's hard to get out necessarily and go to coffee shops and all those places to work um, like it was before, but just sit outside on your patio. Just just get outside, get out of your house so that you um, your mental health stays fit. Oh, yeah, 100%. Finally, you know, our last topic before the break, and, and then we've got a bigger deep dive for you guys. Um, do colonizers owe reparations? Based off of an article about uh, how uh, Britain exploited India, uh, you know, a topic that's near and dear to my heart and V's heart. Um, also, the same conversation we could have about the plight of African Americans in the United States. Yeah, it was interesting. This economist actually went and figured out a way to calculate um, exactly how much Britain extracted in value from India and was $47 trillion. And forty. just to put it in context, that's 17 times uh, the GDP of England today. Um, yeah. And they also have been able to mask it like they were benevolent because um, they were benevolent, but he did a deep dive into exactly what they were doing. Essentially, they were um, paying them with their money, essentially, and creating created a whole economy and ecosystem in which they exploited the labor, they exploited the resources, and they kept 100% of the profits. Um, so when we hear these stories and you say, okay, well, you know, that was such a long time ago. When you extract in, in a world that's based on capital, when you extract that type of value from a country, and then you look at them and say, oh, you guys have all, why do you, you don't understand why they have all the problems that they have today. It's hard to reconcile those two things, right? Um, and, and oftentimes an apology isn't even a minor, the, as basic as an apology is not given. It's it's justification and explaining things that clearly were wrong. You know, reparations would be nice. You know, we know that that's, that's the right thing to do, but it doesn't mean it's one that they can do it. Um, and then the second thing is that anyone can force them to do it, but at least acknowledging what happened and, and, and paying some deference to it, the, the impacts of colonization on the countries that were colonized is deep. Um, the reward for the colonizers is vast. It continues to impact why they continue to be the most developed and successful nations. That's all. Just just acknowledge it and, and, and do something. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that they should pay reparations? So I think, you know, I think reparations... Um, I think there's a weak argument on paying actual cash because the damage yeah. exceeds any any amount that's quantifiable or reasonable. So uh, to your point, uh, it's it's pretty well documented if you get into it. India was a very wealthy nation and yes. all of the centers of wealth, essentially education centers, like all of the farming practices, all of the you know different things that were built in the country infrastructure-wise were basically destroyed and it was converted into... A manufacturer and all of its natural resources were drained and and sent to Britain, and uh, it was done through practices that left the country worse off. So rather than take less and pr preserve the longevity of the country, so that the countries could have been you know in partnership for a long period of time, uh, the approach that Britain took was to take everything they could as fast as possible, and then li and then literally just 
you know, leave when, when it stopped being functional. Um, I think the best reparations and apology publicly from the government yep. saying, Hey, we messed that up. And I feel the same way about the U S government, um, here, you know, making that statement, say, Hey, we messed up. We're going to take down Confederate statues. We're going to stop yep. flying the Confederate flag. Like the little things that you can do to say, hey, we're embarrassed of that history. And we've talked about this before. The way that Germany uh, has treated the Holocaust is a very, very good example of how a nation should behave when they mess up. And uh, it doesn't require any cash to change hands because it's not about money to the people. It's about the acknowledgement and it's about not being gaslit. Yep, yep, yep. You're a hundred percent. You're a hundred percent right. It's it gets tricky when you get into the financial elements of it, but there are certain things that you could do in terms of how you handle trade with India. Right? They should have very good, very, very, <laughs> very, uh, very one-sided uh, trade deals with you. Right? In in terms of, they should be getting the lion's share of reward for any trade between the two nations moving forward, considering that size. Those are, yeah. those are some of the things that can be done. We, of course, we know that's not how things work um, when you have militaries involved and power structures involved. But, you know, it would be nice to see some of those things kind of happen. Yeah. And they're, they're basic things. You know, we probably won't see much, but yeah. uh, it's an important conversation that's being brought up. The Britain to India conversation is being brought up a lot, although we're not exposed to it a lot here in the States. Yeah. And on the flip, um, the African-American situation in the U.S. is being brought up a lot as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's important to have the conversations. And I think it's important that the general public acknowledges uh, just the the badness of the actions that were committed and I think it's also important that our moral standard has increased to a point where that's not okay. Because back yeah. in those days, you know, that was how people lived. That was how empires grew. Yes, it was. Reward the people that helped you get to where you've gotten. That's something right. that Jay-Z understands. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> now uh, we're going to take a quick little break and we will be back to talk about social media masochism. Show the Pilot Boy some love by getting some of our exclusive merch at shop.pilotboys.com. You're listening to the Pilot Boys Podcast. Hey guys, this is Partha. You might know me as a Pilot Boy, but I'm also the CEO of Lasso. Lasso is a high-performance lifestyle brand that makes the Lasso Sock 2.0, the most functional sock ever to help you stay moving on any adventure you choose. Lasso uses patented compression technology with scientifically proven ankle stability to support key ligaments and tendons as well as moisture wicking materials and built-in strike padding. So every single step is stable, soft, and cool. Lasso socks are also used to treat foot and ankle conditions like plantar fasciitis, Achilles pain, ankle soreness, circulation issues, and more. Check them out at lassogear.com or at lassogear on social media. Undo Media is proud to be the production partner for the Pilot Boys. Storytelling is what they do. From video production, podcasting, and consulting, Undo Media's focus is on telling your story. Find out why four Emmys and hundreds of clients will back up why you should contact Undo Media for your next project. Look them up at undomedia.com. And we're back. Partha, are you ready to dig into this, uh, this one? Yeah, so this, know, is a, this is a V topic for everybody listening. That's how, how you can tell it's a V topic 
is uh, whenever it has anything to do with social media. I think that's like the rule of thumb with you, bro. <laughs> well, it is the topic that we have when we social networks are how people engage in social communication, right? So, yeah, 100%. And by so, the way, a part of the topic on future shows is going to be anything that's like super philosophical and not practical at all. Hey, those are those are fun topics to dig into. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is this is a topic that came up because I'm dumbfounded in in a lot of ways. Um, and Partha, I ask you to help me. I know you're not you're not quite fully. You're kind of still in the, the balancing scales between social media and the real world, as well in terms of your your upbringing. But you know, we both can talk about this. How we like stay away from negative, try to stay away from negative energy and negativity, right? But I find this on social media and in conversations that I hear amongst people is the number of people who follow and engage with people on social media that they just outright don't like and don't care for, but still follow, still engage with, still check in to see what's going on. So the question obviously that came up for me, when I see these things is why would anyone do something like that? Yeah. You know, I, I'm i not sure if I have a super good answer on this because I just don't follow people I don't like. But yeah. um, I think there's this general, it's the same thing we were talking about earlier when it was the um, the top shot stuff, the yeah. scarcity mindset. But it's like when you feel there's a certain amount of something you're more concerned about who has it and preventing other people from getting it than you are getting yourself there and so a lot of there's like more complex issues of like identity that play in and you know your identity the identity of people you know and seeing their identity shift and how that makes you feel uh from like a, a world perspective i think that plays into an extent but i think there's a fundamental uh, level of scarcity mindset that drives a lot of the negativity on social media um, combined with, I think there's algorithmic reinforcement of yep. social status. So it compounds where you're at. You're either going to have one like on everything forever, or you're going to grow very, very rapidly. And it's yep. hard to see that uh, with somebody that you know personally where they they are just something about them just makes it click and you can't achieve that same thing you know yeah yeah i think there's definitely a huge a huge element to that and then there's also you know once you understand it's it's the rules of the game right it's like there are certain things that if you're building a brand or you're building a personal profile you know, certain ways, and you and I have had multiple conversations about this, about how we engage with the platform in terms of how we post and things that we say that we just don't act necessarily. We know there are certain things that we could do to probably get more likes or increase, um, I guess, the algorithmic attention to our profiles. So there's that element too, right? It's like some of the stuff that is going to make someone uncomfortable or jealous actually <laughs> helps increase the power of your brand on social media. So that's a, the, 
an issue as well. But I also think like, I think it's, it's, it's very harmful um, to your productivity as a, as a human being and your mind's peace to spend too much time worrying about what someone else, let alone hating on what they do or commenting on what they do with their lives, because at the end of the day, it's their choice. Yeah. Right. Um, so long as they're not doing, there's certain people, so long as they're not doing harm to others, um, let them, let them destroy themselves on social media. Let them just let them be right. And the, the biggest example of this is I, I told you I did a social experiment with people that I know who hate Trump. I would go see if they followed him and most of them follow him. I mean, obviously. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> why? I don't get it. I, this is why I brought this topic up. Like, why would you follow someone that you don't like, that bothers you that much, raises your blood pressure, makes you unhealthy mentally? Why would you do such a thing? It's not healthy. Yeah. Is it because they have such a large social cachet and they are the topic that everyone wants to talk about that you you have to engage with it, right? Like, don't get it. Like, let's talk about mental health real quick. There's yeah. this. There's this. Um, I think there's two sides of the coin. There's if you close your eyes, you turn off all the outside stimuluses around you. Is your head a good place to be? Or a bad place to be. I think yeah. that's the two ways you can live. If your head is a bad place to be, which is not a bad thing because we're all there at some point in our lives and we all tend to be there longer than we would like to be there. Yeah. So that's a very normal thing. I've been there. V's been there. We've all been there. And we continue to bounce in and out. And we have to put in a lot of work to not be in that headspace. So yes. again, not a bad thing. But if in your head is a bad place, then you subconsciously tend to create situations that further reinforce bad things around you. Yeah. And that's a nature that's like a psychological part of how we function as humans because we treat ourselves the way we feel we should be treated. Yeah. So you you almost have to understand that I feel like if you want to get out of the trap, you know, which you have to notice you're in a trap first. But if you want to get out of it and you feel like you're surrounded by outrage and pain and like negative things is less about like following or unfollowing. Cause you're going to kind of create those circumstances for yeah. yourself anyway, in a different form. And I think it's more about turning off the phone, getting out a pen and paper and just journaling and figuring out what's going on with you. And like, that's so simple because all you have to do is just start writing whatever the heck you want and by the second page you're on, you'll be really, really deep in some shit that you're feeling yeah. that you haven't really thought about. Yeah, you you bring up an excellent point regarding mental health, and it's it goes back to not distracting yourself from yourself and remembering this is your life and this is your journey. Um, and the more the time that you spend understanding and pausing and saying what's going on with me what's impacting how I feel about myself and the things that are going around me. Because if I can fix those things, then the things that are going on externally won't impact me quite as much as they do 
when I am in a bad place, if you're angry or upset at yourself and you click and you open your Instagram profile, your TikTok profile, and you see a whole bunch of people being happy, that may not have the best impact on you, right? But if you notice you're in a bad mood and you pause, whatever you have to do, you know, meditate, take a pause and say, hey, I'm not in the best mind space right now. The last thing that I need to do is go engage with a whole bunch of content in the external world. That's a simple step that can help you as well. It's easier said than done because of how addicted we are to that dopamine rush. Like when we're bored and we have our phone and we're sitting down, it seems like the instant urge is to automatic. That's why they call it Instagram, I guess. You know, you it's the urge, right, to open up, whether it's the internet browser. But Partha, you do a great job of disconnecting from your phone, but I'm sure it wasn't an easy process to get to this point where where you can do that, right? Bro, no. And I'll, I'll tell you what else, you know, just on on some vulnerability. I struggle tremendously with anxiety with people. And it's all about like this fear of like, will people like me or not like me? Yeah. And so, you know, it's interesting because my relationship with social media had to drastically change where I don't take it seriously anymore. I, I, I just yeah. can't take it seriously because it, it puts too much expectation on each word that I'm writing to post and I care too much about the outcome. So it's like, yes. I'll put up like probably the sickest photo I think I've ever taken. It'll get like barely any likes, right? Yeah. Just my homies, like you'll comment, you know, and like a yeah. few other friends, right? Yeah. And then today, we have a photo shoot. So I'm posting all this flashy shit on my story. And I have more DMs than I can count. Like literally, I'm not going to respond to all of them. Yeah. And that, first of all, not even responding to all of them is is a new step for me. And then beyond that, just the fact that that is so much cooler to people than like the thing that I care about is a sign to me that the platform of instagram and like what you should use it for is not the same thing as like what you actually care about and what you want to talk about right like instagram is a storytelling platform to show off cool shit yeah but you can't confuse people posting cool shit for who they are yeah and that's like i think that's where there's a lot of like interchange at least for me personally that's where i struggle with it is like I want to be authentic, but at the same time, like, uh, just to be frank, like, authentic doesn't get the clicks. Like, a little showier gets the clicks, it gets the likes, it gets the comments, and it gets the the reaction I'm looking for. And so it's this battle, like, mm-hmm. can you get the clicks and still retain who you are throughout the process? And if you don't have the discipline to create that separation between the platform and who you are as a person, then, you know, that's that's kind of where some work comes in on the mental health side. Yeah. And I think, you know, I would ask you, how did you, you know, recognize, you know, that anxiety was having a negative impact on you. And then how did you start making the change? You You want it? You want the actual answer? Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I got back from an event. Um, I was in the shower and I just burst into tears and I didn't know why. 
and i what i like worked through i like journaled i like thought about it and i was just like man like my feeling of like other people's expectations of me is drowning me like i i just i i was like i don't need to carry that on my shoulders anymore because it's it's not something that's worth trying to carry because you can't control it right and it took like taking on so much that i broke down to like get there and hopefully you know for for you as a listener you don't have to go through that process you can assess it and observe it earlier on and I mean, that's the beauty of things like meditation and journaling and good habits that keep you reflective. You get to observe those things about you. Definitely. Definitely. And then also post intentionally, right? Post the things that you want to post about. Don't do, don't make your posts. I mean, sometimes if you're, if you're positioning yourself as a brand, then definitely, you definitely have to think about how the system and structure of the platform that you work are posting in. But if you're posting for, individually and this is this is your social engagement stop worrying about and thinking about how do i post to get results and just think about posting what you want to post yeah it's that's another thing that's that's important is to not get lost in kind of what the what that what you see is supposed to be and just saying you know what if i'm using it and i think you do a great job of this like when you're wearing your lasso hat versus when you're wearing your partha hat and how you post and how you engage with social media you understand you have to engage in a certain way when you're wearing your lasso hat and you also know you for your own mental health you have to engage with it in a certain way when it's your personal that's why you got off of twitter you know we had a discussion about that because you were like it's just not something that gives me positive vibes and i don't necessarily um think that it's the best platform for me personally yeah and i'll say one more thing too is that oftentimes when social media affects you deeply it's because you're taking it too seriously you're connecting your own identity with your profile and when you create a separation there that's a separation i don't feel that my generation or the generation below has because we grew up so integrated into technology that it became the virtual worlds are they feel very real yeah right so the things on the virtual world like the feeling of falling out of a group right like not getting the reaction you want that's like the feeling of not being accepted into a tribe that from an adrenaline response standpoint makes you feel like you're gonna die yeah that's what your body is triggered to do but your body doesn't know that that's just the internet community it doesn't actually have anything to do with real life and so you have to very strongly separate your sense of personal identity from the platforms in which you're portraying. And an easy trick to be able to do that is to use the platforms for others. And I think that's a really beautiful way to look at it. So if I'm posting on LinkedIn, if I'm posting on Instagram or Facebook, it's like, what do others need to see from me to have a better day today? It's like, if I can do that, like if you follow me on Instagram, it's all like, me moving like me doing active shit or me going places or like doing my job because i want people who follow me to be like okay like this dude is out there living his life doing his best like trying really hard and it's like at times i show you and like on this podcast like i talk about what i'm also struggling with because that's important to showcase too and you know appropriately i don't want to 
have a struggle fest like every single day, but like every now and then like share some vulnerabilities so that, you know, there's, there's some honesty to the message. But if you follow the feed, like the whole goal is for you to get something out of it from me that, you know, would have me represent more of, let's say, an idea or a set of values to you that you can emulate and make your life better from. But then, you know, the reactions or the comments or the messages don't really affect me as much personally because, you know, I have my identity over here away from my phone. I have no notifications on. So I don't even know any of the things that are happening on my social media platforms until I actively go look at them. And you'd be surprised little things like that, you build a healthy separation. And so I think that's, it's this concept of boundary setting, you know, it's something you age into, but it's like, people don't even set good boundaries in their relationships. Yeah, that's a big, big reason that relationships fall apart. And I think it's like a skill worth learning in this world. It 100% is. And I think also, you know, I I liked what you said at the beginning of your statement of uh, your dialogue about it's for other people, right? And for as far as me, like, I I don't need social media, right? Like if 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 I didn't have Instagram or Twitter, I would still function just fine. Same here, by the way. There's yeah. nothing on Instagram that affects my day to day life or my business. Exactly. Yeah. But one thing I will say is that I look at it in a, in a healthy way. That I would very intentional with what I post. You know, I want to educate, I want to inspire, and I want to motivate. Those are kind of the three things that I want to do through my social media. And also help like what we do here is let people know that everything isn't just sunshine and rainbows um, all the time based on what you see on people's social media feeds. I think it's it's healthy when you approach it that way versus, hey, I'm 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 on here trying to become, you know, the next the next uh, the next disease. And sorry, you know, what I mean, yeah. um, and if you approach it that way, you might just, you know, you you get to where you're trying to go by being authentic to who you are and what you care about. And if you do those things, then it it won't bother you. What other people are doing won't won't bother you as much either is if you're just being authentic uh, to yourself um, through that process. And if being authentic to yourself means that you're flexing on Instagram with every one of your accomplishments when you buy a nice watch, so long as that's authentic and it, it makes you feel good, about yourself and isn't just done to stunt and show off to the world. Um, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's a really good point, man. It's it's all about authenticity and just living your best life. And, you know, you shouldn't apologize for being you. Definitely. Be you, you a sly. Well, <laughs> it feels <laughs> like on that note, we're right here at the end of the podcast. Definitely, man. Another good conversation here. I hope you guys are took some took some took some news and notes from our news and notes and uh enjoy the conversation uh really enjoyed the feedback we got last week uh your feedback is very valuable to us because it gives us a gauge on whether or not you care about what we're listening what we're talking about and if you do um how we can continue to improve you don't have to do it publicly got some great text messages and dms um from last week's episode keep keep doing that we're going to keep working on creating great content for you guys and with that 
let's get out. We had a late night session today, uh, but we're we're out of here. See you guys next week. Probably.